0: If you could write a piece of music as an ode to any emotion, which one would you pick? Happiness? Sadness? Anger? Love? maybe even joy? That's what German composer Ludwig van Beethoven focused the last movement of his Ninth Symphony on, and what we're going to be listening to today. Welcome to Classical Sprouts, the awesome music podcast for kids. I'm Kate Botello, and today we're going to get joyful because we're talking about Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, which features the famous Ode to Joy Chorus. But before we get there, we'll start the show by asking you this quizlet question. Since this show is about Beethoven's Symphony number no. 9, we thought we'd ask you about a sport where the number 9 is important. Which sport has 9 players on the field and is played in 9 sections? Which sport has 9 players on the field and is played in 9 sections? We'll tell you the answer at the end of the show. Me, me, me. You probably know Beethoven's Ode to Joy and maybe even that it's part of his Ninth Symphony. Recognize any of those? It's been in commercials and movies, and it's often one of the preset music pieces on some electric pianos. But the Ode to Joy is only a small part of a huge movement of a massive symphony. There had never been anything like this piece before, and so today we're going to take you on a tour of the fourth and final movement of Beethoven's Symphony No. 9, including that famous Ode to Joy. That entire fourth movement is about 25 minutes long, so we're only going to highlight certain sections with you today. We'll start with the beginnings of that fourth movement. Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Wait, wait, wait. That's not the right piece of music. Okay, there we go. At the start of the fourth movement, or the fourth section of this symphony, if you were in the audience of a performance of this piece, you would have already heard three movements that only featured the orchestra. In fact, the chorus doesn't even come right in at the beginning of this movement either. He's really saving it for the very end because he basically summarizes what you've heard in the earlier three movements and then previews what you're about to hear in the rest of the movement. Now, this part sounds really stormy, almost scary. What about it sounds scary to you? And then... There it is, that famous Ode to Joy melody. Except the choir isn't singing it yet. We'll hear it for the first time in the really low register of the cellos and the basses. Then, the rest of the instruments take their turns with the melody. Still, no voices yet. Goes back to that stormy, scary sounding part, and then it's just one voice that comes out, one single voice. And what that voice sings is something that Beethoven himself wrote. Friends, no more of these sounds. Let's sing more cheerful songs, songs with more joy. Basically, Beethoven interrupts his own huge dramatic symphony and says, Nope, nope, we're done with the drama. Time to have some fun, people. That same soloist keeps calling out the word Freunde, which means friends. He's basically trying to get everybody's attention. And this works totally, because the bass voices sing Freude right back to him. In German, Freunde means friends, and Freude means joy. We see what you did there, Beethoven. And then... That same soloist sings the words to the Ode to Joy for the first time in the whole piece. After that, we're off. The whole choir sings, then small groups of soloists, and then the whole choir again. After the break, we'll talk about why this was such a big deal. So stick around.
1: keith brown and i'm the host of gameplay every week on the show i celebrate the amazing world of video game music with everything from beloved classics to brand new soundtracks you can stream episodes at our website gameplayshow.org i hope you'll join me for this adventure Hi, I'm Erin Selbig. And I'm Dr. Amy Bessler. And we are the Latchkey Kids. Every week on the Latchkey Kids, Erin and I remember some of our favorite things about growing up in the 1980s. Like choose-your-own-adventure books. Or kids. Mall culture. Doing the <gasps> That very special episode of Punky Brewster when Punky got trapped inside a refrigerator. Annie. Annie. The sun will come out tomorrow. Maybe we shouldn't sing in the promo.
0: Listen to the Latchkey Kids podcast available everywhere you get your podcasts with new episodes
1: available every Monday. Did we tell them we're brother and sister?
0: beginning of the episode, we asked you this Quizlet question. What sport has nine players on the field and is played in nine sections? And here's a hint, those sections in that sport are called innings. We'll tell you the answer at the end, but for now, back to Beethoven. So why do we care so much about this? It's just people singing a melody we've already heard. Well, it's a huge deal, because this was the first piece ever to be called a symphony that had a choir in it. I mean, sure, there were plenty of pieces out there for chorus and orchestra, like cantatas. And oratorios. Oratorios. And even masses, but nothing like this. be asking, uh, Kate, why is there a Turkish march in the middle of this piece? Or you may not be asking yourself that or have even known that's what that was. But here's a quick fun fact that Kate will tell you. Turkish culture was really trendy in Germany at the time that Beethoven was writing this symphony. And why was Turkish culture so popular? Well, ahem. The Austro-Turkish War was fought in 1788 to 1791 between the Habsburg monarchy and the Ottoman Empire concurrently with the Russo-Turkish War 1787 to 1792. It is sometimes referred to as the Habsburg-Ottoman War or the Austro-Ottoman War. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Long story short, TLDR, there was a war between Turkey and well, lots of other places, and even though war is terrible, people in Europe liked the way the Turkish military band sounded, and so they started using some of those sounds in their own music. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. We go back to the orchestra, and things sound a little spooky again. But we're about to get back to the chorus. Everybody's singing now. But we've heard what this sounds like, so let's fast forward to the next little bit where it switches up the mood. Okay. It starts out in unison with the lower voices, but then all four vocal parts come in, and they're singing in a pretty straightforward style. It's almost like a hymn, right? Because everyone's singing the same text At the same time, the focus is on the words. And it makes sense that Beethoven would set this part like a hymn, because here the text is talking about God, specifically a God who lives among the stars and who loves everyone on earth. Now, folks hold on to your hats here comes the big finale throughout this final section Beethoven uses what's called counterpoint counterpoint is when multiple melodies all happen at once to create something even more interesting he does that right away at the beginning of this section with all four different parts of the chorus in counterpoint with each other comes the finale of the final section of the final movement of Beethoven's final symphony. Woo! That's a lot of finals, peeps. It starts out with just the solo voices. They're singing the same line of text from the beginning about joy being divine and being able to bring divided people together. But Beethoven being Beethoven and liking things fancy, he gives it a totally different melody when the soloists are singing it. And then, the last 90 seconds, he goes all in on the celebration. The final line of the piece is the same as the first line. Freude Schöne Götterfunken. That is, joy is the spark of the gods. Bringing the movement and the piece to one of the most exciting conclusions in all of classical music. People in the audience think about Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Remember, they had never heard something like this before. Well, at the premiere performance, people clapped throughout the symphony, between the movements, and at the end, they gave him five whole standing ovations. So, pretty good. This seems like they were pretty joyful. Good job, Beethoven. And now, Classical Sprouts, let's check in with our Quizlet. At the beginning of this episode, we asked you a question. Here it is again. Which sport has nine players on the field and is played in nine sections called innings? And the answer, timpani roll, please. If the edge of my desk counts as timpani. Baseball! If you want to listen to the full piece, The Whole Symphony, you can find a link to it on our website at classicalsprouts.org. Then you can give it your own standing ovation if you'd like. You have been listening to Classical Sprouts, the awesome classical music podcast for kids. Classical Sprouts is produced by Emily Duncan Wilson with support from Amanda Sewell. Our digital content manager is Casey Brown. I'm Kate Patello. See you next time. Bye!
1: Interlocking Public Radio!